All right, we did it, folks. We made it to Friday. Let's get into it. It's Dave Neal, host of Bachelor Nation News, and this is your afternoon recap, Bachelor Rush Hour. Oh, boy, so much to get into. I am on location here in northern Kentucky as I've made my way through the Midwest, heading to Nashville uh, later today. But we've got so much to talk about. Golden Bachelor, Bachelor in Paradise. I've got other entertainment news, an update on a foundation started after Matthew Perry's death. I've also got some drama spilling onto the mean streets of Twitter after last night's episode of Paradise. Does anybody care? I'm going to share the story regardless. Oh, so much to get into. All right, let's just start with something wholesome like Golden Bachelor. How did you guys feel about last night's episode? Full recap is up on YouTube, but I got to tell you, we've got Gary, our good friend Gary over there, and he's down to his final three women. He says, I love you to two of them. And who does he pick? Of course, it ends on a cliffhanger. Does the hometowns, which essentially is a chance for him to take selfies with grandchildren. Oh, boy. Nothing makes you feel older than when you meet young people and there's just a whole new world of words and things they're saying. You ever been called mid by a seven-year-old? You're like, I got a nephew that called me mid. And I'm like, what is, am I mid? Am I mid now? I don't even know. Uh, chances are you guys don't even know what that means. I think that means average, like middle. And I'm like, well, what was wrong with average? We already had words. Why are we inventing new words, folks? Either way, Gary's crushing it over there on Golden Bachelor, the unproblematic king. Although he does double down and feels like he has to vomit when it comes down to breaking the heart of one of his final three. And I have to say, the stakes on Golden Bachelor are higher. Uh, Not to be morose, right? But these are people in their 60s and 70s. So it's one thing when you get dumped and you're 24 and your friends are like, it's okay, you have time. And then you have someone in your late 30s and everyone's like, it's okay, you have time. And all of a sudden you're 67 and it's like, you're not going to be on the Golden or Bachelor. Like, And I'm not saying this is it by all means you can uh you know their their notoriety on the show could lead to fan appreciation and meet, and meet someone else you know uh, so no pressure on gary he's just got to do his job but i'm just saying it uh it has heightened stakes as um you know the, no one no one wants to see a grandmother cry i can, i think we can put it that way grandmas don't need to cry not on my watch Either way, after that, we went to Bachelor in Paradise. And so going from Golden Bachelor to Bachelor in Paradise, that's like watching a Meryl Streep movie and then watching a Lindsay Lohan movie. That's the only way I can put it. Uh, and no disrespect to Lindsay Lohan. We love her. Uh, mean. And speaking of Mean Girls, Cat... Oh boy, we cover this already on YouTube, but Cat, and, and look, I'm a fan of Cat. And you might say, Dave, why are you a fan of Cat? I don't know. I don't have a good reason. I just, I like a little mess. I like someone who tries their best, but it, clearly their best is not that involved as far as uh, the reactions that come on the show. So Cat gets dumped by Tanner. And after Tanner dumps her, she goes, well, I wanted to let him speak first, but I dumped him. She's, and then she goes, it was mutual. And then after she's like, well, I was going to let him go. So yeah, I know they fired me, but don't you worry. I was about to quit. I was, well, at least when they fire you, you get unemployment. So Kat's unwilling to take the L. I mean, what she really should have done was take the loss by Tanner. And then there could be some pity. She could cry in the corner, maybe go, go snorkeling for that, 
uh, cake that was thrown in the ocean. I mean, how many cakes need to be lost in spite of this show, right? So either way, that was not looking good for her. Uh, but then we've uh, we've got the storyline that's spilling onto the streets, which is what we're going to get to right now. Was and again, we had we we made our paradise recap, and then we had to do a whole nother uh, sort of coverage of this. So I'm going to share with you next uh, what li- what what made live beef with Avon and Kylie on Twitter. Now, they've only got like a thousand followers. No one's actually watching. I don't know why people even tweet anymore. I, I don't understand. Like no one's over there. And yet it is getting spicy. So we're going to share that with you. And then after we're going to talk about Clayton Eckerd's big win yesterday. I know we've already talked about it. We had a breaking news story yesterday on the YouTube, but Clayton Eckerd won so much going on behind the scenes. I expect the lady that he beat in the courtroom is going to be sending me a long letter. Although we've given her the address to my lawyer just to say, leave us alone. Do we need to get an injunction against harassment on them? Uh, you can't you can't get an injunction against harassment on me. I'm getting one on you. Like that's the standard. You can't fire me. I quit. It's just a bunch of people with restraining orders against each other. Either way, we are quickly uh, realizing the court system is not something to mess with. Although it is pricey, and this is why we raised the GoFundMe money, folks, because we've been threatened essentially for the last month with lawsuits. But um, we will not. And by the way, I will share with you guys. Um, a magazine that is very interested in this story. That's right. One of the biggest magazines in the world, as far as I'm concerned, with a little bit of journalistic integrity. I say a little bit because, you know, it's debatable, is interested in this paternity drama. So we're going to get to that right after this. So the most interesting thing to happen on Bachelor in Paradise is what went down on the Twitter last night where it's Liv Lou, Olivia, posted, Hey, Will shows interest in me and kisses me. Kylie messes it up. John Henry shows interest in me. We are together. Kylie encourages Kat to mess it up. Anyone else sensing a pattern? Now, the objective truth is the guys probably weren't that interested in Liv for long term. Otherwise, you know, if a guy's interested in someone, it's not going to be messed up, right? But either way, she can still watch this back and see that Kylie was meddling or maybe uh, sort of adding a accelerant to the uh, uh, process of her relationships combusting. You like that? I just did a chemistry pun right here for you guys. Uh, not bad for a Friday. Anyway, Kylie responds and says, I owe you nothing. I'm loyal to my actual friends. Have a great night. And then Olivia responds, is that why you just called me twice to tell me that? Or was it going to be the fake pageant voice where you pretend that that's not what really went down? And then Kylie says, I wasn't calling to explain myself. I was calling to tell you to get my name out of your mouth. Instead, you're trolling Twitter and refuse to answer my calls. Oh, boy, folks. Absolute insanity. And then Avon responds. Oh, you thought that was it? Then Avon responds and says, give a night one elimination some meaningless screen time. And they start to think they can just say anything. And the fact that he calls it meaningless screen time. Here's the thing. Home Depot should sponsor Olivia because she's carrying the season. She needs to get one of those back braces. You know those black back braces that everyone at Home Depot wears? She needs that because her back hurts. Somebody get a GoFundMe so Olivia can go to a chiropractor so she can go see Dr. Abasolo and have his gorgeous man hands shirtlessly rub all over her uh, and let us watch uh, film it. No, please. (laughs) But seriously, she's carrying the show. Her back hurts. 
and uh, the fight went on and on in the audience. I've never seen a Bachelor Nation audience agree on one thing so consistently, and that thing they agreed on was that Avon overstepped his bounds, his comeback stunk, and um, Olivia takes the win here. I'm proud as the official ref, or maybe unofficial ref of Bachelor Nation, I am proud to say Olivia on a two-on-one against Kylie and Avon takes the win there. All right, well, I'll get to the Clayton news in a minute, but let's go to some uh, non-Bachelor content. We've been discussing Matthew Perry and uh, sort of talking about his unexpected and yet all too tragic and not too surprising death over the weekend. But he his foundation launches launches a post-death um Let's see. What is this called? Hold on. The Matthew Perry made it a point to help people suffering from drug and alcohol addiction while he was alive, and now he's going to carry on that mission in the afterlife. Those closest to the Friends actor are launching a foundation in his name, aptly titled the Matthew Perry Foundation. TMZ broke the story. Perry had actually planned to create this organization months before he suddenly passed, and now it's being manifested into a reality. Let's get something straight. Addiction is a huge issue in our country and in the world. And while I understand crimes come from addiction, you know, it can lead to theft, you're stealing for pills, you're breaking into things, you're whatever. We need to have a greater empathy for those that are addicted. Why are people addicted? Is it because they live in despair, the poverty line, the shrinking middle class, a minimum wage isn't high enough? What reason is it? Is it big pharmacy that got them addicted to pain meds that the government had said, oh, this is fine, it's approved with the FDA, and then we find out, oh, that's because big pharmacy, you know, um, had had payroll on the board of that, you know, big ethical issues, right? So we have all of this, all of these concerns that exist. And yet we look at addicts, uh, we call them junkies, right? We look at these people as lesser than, but they can be homeless on the side of the road. They can be rich millionaires and everywhere in between. They are humans that struggle. And if you've ever been into a 12-step program or, 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 or even as a, a wit, even having witnessed um, from an outsider the compassion that exists amongst those with addiction, you realize that the best way to combat addiction is to let people know they aren't alone. It's to let people know things can get better. You can win your battle. And even though he lost his battle with life over the weekend, Matthew Perry won his battle with addiction as he died seemingly a sober man. Here's what he had to say about overcoming his addictions and his demons. You said in the book, I I think you have to have all your dreams come true to realize they're the wrong dreams. What what are the dreams? I probably stole from Jim Carrey, I guess. What What are the dreams now? The dreams now, the best thing about me, bar none, is if somebody comes up to me and says, I can't stop drinking, can you help me? I can say yes and follow up and do it. That's the best thing. And I've said this for a long time. When I die, I don't want friends to be the first thing that's mentioned. I want that to be the first thing that's mentioned. And I'm going to live the rest of my life proving that. And there it is, folks. What a meaningful uh, quote there from Matthew Perry. And look, I can tell you this. When you're living 
uh, maybe below the poverty line or when you're struggling to pay your bills, you might say, oh, how hard must it be to be someone like Matthew Perry? It's really a dopamine thing, right? So when you first get a big paycheck, you release all this dopamine and then you realize, you know, that it doesn't cover everything you need. And then, you know, once you get to something, then you do a little bit better and then you still have your same issues. And you could, I mean, honestly, you could win the lottery, and people don't believe me when I say this, but you could win the lottery and probably in a couple weeks, I mean, a month, two months, you're just, your baseline goes back to, ugh. and it doesn't mean you don't love those things, but it just goes to show that the deep down truth is materialistic goods are not the answer to life's problems. Finding happiness within is the long, sustainable uh, sort of thing we all look for. And Matthew Perry, with his making a million dollars in an episode, at some point, you just realize, like they, they've said something like, uh, and maybe this number has changed due to inflation, but there's a number that you make where, you know, where you peak at happiness. It's something like $200,000, maybe $250,000. That gets you to uh, be able to eat dinners without wondering what the price is, right? That gets you to be able to travel on good vacations here and there. Uh, but anything more than that, at some point, just becomes zeros um, on a check. Now, don't get me wrong. I think there's something about feeling the stability of having health care and, and, and life provided. I mean, he literally died taking a nice in, in the nice hot tub. Not to say it wasn't a tragic death here, uh, but what it goes to show is literally everybody who quote-unquote makes it, who quote-unquote gets to the finish line of whatever success story they have, they all say the same thing is that that didn't live up to whatever their expectation was. And then you have to find happiness within. So the big struggling question we can ask on this Friday afternoon, have we found the happiness within? Hey, look, I'm okay in the pursuit of that happiness. Even if we haven't reached the destination, I'm glad to have you along on the ride. All right, let's have an extensive chat about Clayton Eckerd. Now, as you guys know, I interviewed him a few weeks ago. I actually asked Clayton in the interview, hey, why did you choose Caitlin Bristow as somebody to tell your story with? Because he had he did the very rare thing when he broke up with Susie, where he went on a podcast with Susie, and they talked out their issues versus them go on podcasts individually, try to share their truths, and it just end with a, with a he said, she said, right? So Clayton said he chose Caitlin Bristow because, you know, she's got warmth and empathy and all those things. Well, we can confirm that after Caitlin did our episode of Driving with Dave. And again, I'm so grateful that two episodes in a row of Driving with Dave, I have leads. This is the first time I've had back-to-back leads. No offense to night one rejects. I'm kidding. No offense to those that weren't leads because they all have fantastic stories to share. But it was so great talking to Caitlin Bristow. You're going to hear that tomorrow. It was a 50-plus minute long conversation where I pick, and I, and I love the airport. I picked Caitlin up because I knew she, look, this is how you get these people. They're busy. You got to get them. You got to sell them on why they want to do your podcast. Time is money, right? So to get someone like Caitlin to do the podcast, I knew I knew I had to be like, you know, hey, I'll take you to the airport. Let's go. Come on. It doesn't change what I'm doing on my end. You know, I'm doing car interviews. Let's get you to the airport. We'll talk along the way. 
had a fantastic convo. I'll tell you this, well, what you're going to hear tomorrow on the podcast, I asked Caitlin what was the biggest project she turned down. Because when you're someone like Caitlin, you're, you're a big deal. You get offered different opportunities. She said she turned down that Mars show. Do you remember that Mars show? Let me look it up. What's that Mars, Mars reality show? But uh, Tom Schwartz is on it. It's called Stars on Mars. Uh, William Shatner's on it. And they basically just live in a bunker that simulates being on Mars. Ariel Winter is on it, uh, Ronda Rousey, Andy Richter, Natasha Leggero, Lance Armstrong. Oh, so they have great people on it, by all means. Uh, Adam Rapon, the, uh, what is he, a figure skater. Ashley Iconetti, of course, from Bachelor, and Christopher Mintz-Platz, Mick Lovin. I mean, it's an interesting show. Like I said, Tom Schwartz from uh, Vanderpump. So... Uh, Caitlin Bristow said she turned it down because it didn't feel like it was her vibe and it was $150,000. Now, I know that sounds like a lot of money, but uh, you know her podcast clearly is successful and has other things going on. And in the end, it's just a paycheck. You, you, you send money to agents and IRS people. It's like, while, well, don't get me wrong, it'd be nice for you or for I to spend a hundred to, to earn 150k going on a, to a bunker for three weeks I found it very interesting that Caitlin wasn't into that so anyway you're going to catch that full episode tomorrow just a quick teaser for you but back to Clayton Eckerd now when I interviewed him he was going through this paternity scandal which turned into a order of protection fight and a in, uh, injunction against harassment an injunction in, excuse me an injunction against harassment. It's called an IAH. It is essentially like a restraining order, which is essentially the same thing as an order of protection. It is a court order to stay away from somebody, stop communicating with them. Now, this is so complicated because I am in the process of being served this by the same person that served it against Clayton Eckerd. It is my belief that they, you know, uh, are in a mess and don't want people talking about it. She feels like I'm harassing her, even though I've never said her name. And legally, I could. Uh, but Clayton, let's get to what is going on with Clayton. So last week, nine days ago, eight or nine days ago, he went into court and we found out last minute that it was live streamed. Absolutely bananas. We could see in Maricopa County Superior Court a live stream of this uh, this battle going on. Clayton showed up rather, you know, into the courtroom, not wearing a suit and tie. You got to wear a suit. I'm sorry. You got to wear a suit and tie into court. He, uh, not that he was going to lose this court case, but he showed up in a t-shirt and he was trying to present his evidence and the uh, uh, Jane Doe's lawyer was objecting to it all. I'm not even sure what was admissible, what wasn't. Either way, he it, it, it was kind of uh, icky to watch. It was icky to watch because it wasn't a fair fight. We were watching somebody who knows the legal system, her uh, lawyer. Uh, you know, I don't know how green the lawyer was, but they at least had passed the bar exam versus Clayton, who, you know, had done his own research, which... Again, might work in a bar conversation, but in the court of law, um, it felt kind of uh, icky. So we raised a money. We raised money for him. GoFundMe, right? You guys did specifically. You raised like seventy five hundred bucks quickly for him. That is a lot of money, but not in the court system. That does not go too far. Clayton hires an attorney who knows a thing or two about the uh, lady here, Jane Doe, because that attorney also worked in a previous case against her. So he hires an attorney, comes in and cross-examines Jane Doe 
and ends up winning his in his injunction against harassment. So now I don't know how long the injunction against harassment is set. I believe these are normally two years, but now she can't contact Clayton uh, without the risk of being arrested. Pretty wild stuff, right, folks? It is important to note that last week, Clayton lost his uh, order of protection against uh, Jane Doe, which means he, for two years, can't contact Jane Doe. I believe that also means he can't buy a firearm, which when you've been in an intimate relationship with someone, in their case, a one-night blowjob. But either way, when you've been in an intimate relationship, the system is set up to protect people from ex-lovers. And if you're in a situation... Let's actually use Cassie Randolph, right? She was in a situation where she was being stalked. I think it's safe to say, we don't have to say allegedly, she was being stalked by Colton Underwood. He put a tracking device under the trunk of her car, duct taped. No argument there. He has never once denied that. He just says, well, we're not allowed to talk about it, right? He, uh, and again, this was crazy news like three years ago. He uh, set up multiple phone numbers to text Cassie to claim he was somebody else. He even stalked himself, right? He claimed to be a stalker stalking himself. All that to gain sympathy and gain connection and have a reason to come together with Cassie. It was a desperate attempt in hindsight to maintain a heterosexual relationship when all signs were pointing to him actually coming out of the closet as a gay man, which he later did on a Netflix TV show. It was wild stuff. Now, Cassie got a temporary restraining order against him. And then after the 30 days where you go back to court and prove whether or not you need a permanent restraining order or not, she had a settled issue. They settled it out of court, they were able to, because if they went to court, they would have had to present that evidence and it would have been super messy. Uh, Well, speaking of messy, that's exactly what's going down with Clayton's story. So that takes us to yesterday. He's lawyered up and apparently we have not received any of the information, but I have received personal, I don't want to call them threats. Like it's not a threat. I don't physically feel like I'm in, in threats, although you never know. You never know when some, something you know major can go down. This uh, lady does know my address as she's trying to serve me with court documents. Although we have sent her an email by my lawyer saying, hey, we'll save you money. You don't have to spend the 500 bucks to get a server to come find Dave. You can just send them to me, his lawyer. And maybe that'll at least show her that I'm in business. But I Either way, she, um, you know, she had told me in the past, oh, you can't be sharing these documents. They're sealed. Well, I've actually spoken with lawyers that are what I could say extremely close to these cases. I'm talking, you know, it's, it's just humbling. It's absolutely wild that all of these lawyers are watching my videos because I seem to be the only person covering this. I don't know if that means I'm the only one here in Bachelor Nation with a spine, except for Reality Steve. He's covered it too. Or am I the only one dumb enough to take this fight on? I like to think it's a little bit of both, right? I like to think we're, we're a little dumb enough to take this fight on, but I believe in justice and I believe when I haven't done something wrong that I shouldn't have to live in fear of any, of being uh, you know of, of being in trouble for that. Will a judge go to court and tell me not to talk about a public court case? Will that actually happen? And if so, what kind of response would that mean for, uh, you know, First Amendment rights? I mean, if I lose a restraining order, I lose my Second Amendment right, my right to bear arms. 
which I understand in the grand scheme of things. If there's a restraining order against, and we use Cassie Randolph as an example, but if she has a restraining order against Colton, I can understand that that should limit him from buying a gun until things are worked out. Is he a real danger to her? All these types of things, right? Now, it never got to that point um, because, you know, the restraining order was dropped, but Either way, even being dropped, it would still be on your record. So I don't take these court things lightly whatsoever, and I will not be bullied for doing my job over here. Uh, But either way, I've spoken to plenty, and I mean plenty of people on this case. I mean, I felt like I was in the room, and I know she said in the past, oh, Dave, you weren't in the room. You weren't there with us. No, I wasn't. But I have heard so many angles of this story from so many different people, and I can tell you this. It's very hard in the Arizona court system to get a uh, court case sealed. I was actually sent this. Rule 5.4, sealing and unsealing court records. Generally, unless authorized by statute, rule, or court order, no document may be filed under seal in an unsealed civil action case. For this rule's purpose, document means any filing, exhibit, record, or other documentary material to be filed or lodged with the court. So what this means is, in order to get something sealed, you would have to have a an abundance of information as to why that should be sealed. It would have to be sort of like an amendment almost to a... Uh, to to the Arizona court rules, which is very, very hard to do. And with that, I was told that none of these files are sealed and whether or not the court system would hand them over to me if I get access of any of these files, I'm happy to discuss them. So with that information, be prepared over the weekend or very soon to see a lot of content regarding live streams, video, audio recordings from that injunction against harassment. While it might not be the biggest court case out there, the cross-examinating alone uh, left uh, Jane Doe to put a lot of things under oath. And now we can cross-examine a lot of what she has said and see what uh, is truth, what is lies, and if she wants to come after me for any sort of civil case or defamation or things like that, it seems like her window for proving any malice on my end has quickly closed. Let me know what you guys think. I'm not trying to poke the bear here. I'm just trying to, you know, what do they say? The best defense is a good offense. I'm trying to let all parties know that we are prepared to go to court Thanks to your loyalty, thanks to the funds of our GoFundMe, and from all of the work of those on Reddit, the Flock, the Patreon members, and everybody who's been so loyal, we are prepared to fight for our right to cover this story. Everyone have a fantastic weekend, and again, I'll be back tomorrow with Driving with Dave. As always, I'm Dave Neal. This was Bachelor Rush Hours. Rush Hours.